0: Hi everyone, thanks for stopping by our table of disappointment. This is How They Got Away, the show where we discuss the unsatisfying endings to your favorite unsolved or unpunished true crime and corporate greed stories. I'm your host today, Kelsey. And I'm your co-host, Annalise.
1: And I'm guest numero uno, Stephanie. And I'm guest number two, Anna,
0: in a public space.
1: Starbucks always seems like
0: a good idea until you get there and there's 10 people in the room and you're like, how dare you be in the same public space as me? Alrighty, so today we're going to be discussing the murders of Samantha Class and Elena Grakova. I'm going to screw that up every single time. I'm going to start this case with a quote from the judge, Justice Goose, that is his real name, when he sentenced Gary Allen to life in prison. You thought you had got away with that murder, but today your past has caught up with you. So Samantha Class was a mother of three struggling to make ends meet. She did sex work as a means of supporting herself and her children, and she'd grown up in the system. In the UK in the 80s, it was common for children in the system to grow up in large group homes, and that's the situation Samantha found herself in. She lived with seven girls in a home that had two other wings, one with eight boys, all younger than 13, and another mixed group. And the social worker in charge of Samantha's case said that she made an immediate positive impression on him. Despite her living circumstances, he said she always had a good humor and got along with everyone. And she could often be found in the corner crocheting or knitting or occasionally making witty comments. This is me. This is me as a person just in the corner. (laughs) it's stephanie right now knitting and she seemed to act very maternal with the younger children in the home and came off as very mature for her age which i imagine a lot of kids who grew up in this situation do you have to grow up really quickly she was about 15 at this time and she was already engaged in prostitution and seemed to regard it kind of as an inevitability given her living situation and class and That's
1: by really the age unfortunate. I think a lot of, so unfortunately, bad. a lot of kids who don't have a lot of opportunity have
0: to turn to that, which is horrific. It really? I think it's better nowadays because this was in the 80s when she was 15. But it's, it's better, only but not gotten perfect. a little better. Yeah. And by the age of 23, she was a mother of three. Sorry, she, of age of 29, she was a mother of three until a fateful night in 1997. A garbage person. A raccoon, if you will. But that is offensive to raccoons. I was going to say raccoons Uh, deserve better. (laughs) Raccoons deserve better than being compared to Gary Allen. Gary Allen was born in 1974 in South Yorkshire. And even when he was a young child, there were problems. There were signs. There were problems. He first got referred to a psychiatrist at eight years old for uncontrollable temper tantrums and when i say he was referred to a psychiatrist i mean he was put into a psychiatric unit at eight years old Ooh, my not God. like he went to go see a therapist a couple times a week he was committed yeah. which is no bueno can i just say gary sounds like a serial killer's name you know what when i was looking up stuff about this guy because this is not a like super well-known case outside of the uk and even in the uk there are other more no- well-known cases apparently gary allen is a musician and there are other gary allen as the middle name and then something else who is a serial killer so something about don't name your children gary there's a I lot of I gary think,
1: murder i think i was thinking of and i had to look it up because I, I was like barely grasping at straws for this gary widge ray widge oh my god Ridgeway? There we go. He was like convicted for 48 separate murders. So I think that's why I was triggered by the name Gary.
0: It might have, I think it was somebody else, but it was, uh, there's also Gary Arthur Allen, who's a total other dude. There were a lot of Gary's just in general. He was known to be very violent with his siblings. And I know, I mean, it's, it, it's assumed that siblings don't get along, especially when they're younger. But, like, I hated my sister. We talked about that last episode, how much I hated my sister when we were little. But I also didn't, like, I didn't get violent with her. I never, like, tried to beat her up or anything. Like, it was to the point of, don't look at me like that, Stephanie. But this was on a whole other level. Whole other level. Uh He also, and, like, way more than the average amount of aggression, not only with his siblings, but with other people in their lives. And he also had a reputation for starting fires. Always a good thing to have. A little arsonist.
1: Daddy's a little arsonist. Do you know like what age this fire thing started? Because I'm still visualizing him as the eight year old you said was committed to ar, committed to the psychiatrist. Committed Somewhere to between hair.
0: the ages of five and eight, he set more than one fire. They didn't list every specific incident, but there were several incidences. Enough to gain a neighborhood reputation. So, so fire aggressive oh, yeah. violence and fire-starting yep. and has yep. also been committed. <laughs> we're going to talk about that a little bit, actually. We're going to get into fire-setting a little bit on... You might think you hear fire-setting, especially in this situation when we're talking about murders, as one of the three aspects of the homicidal triad. So I read this paper. Not the Sum of Its Parts, a critical review of the McDonald Triad by Charlotte Hannah Parfitt and Emma Elaine. Uh, Go read their papers really good, which kind of does a deep dive on each aspect of the homicidal triad, which is pretty famously fire setting, animal cruelty, and bedwetting. And the current literature on whether or not those are still considered to lead to later aggression. Because the McDonald triad or the homicidal triad was in, come up, they came up with that in the 60s. And they didn't, they didn't know all that much about stuff in the 60s mental health wise. So sometimes you gotta double check those things. So they took a look into that and whether or not those still lead to current, later aggression. And we'll get into the homitri- the homicidal triad as a whole later. So fire setting as it relates to violence later in life, usually, as a general, indicates a lack of impulse control. Generally speaking, like we all love a good fire. And we all, occasionally on a bad day, think about setting fires and things, but we don't. <laughs> we don't set fire to things because we know uh that's going to lead to problems and consequences for me if not for other people as well and fire setting can also be a sen- and act as a sensory stimulation to kids who are lacking some kind of stimulation like it's not unheard of for kids to start fires if they're especially bored and also lack impulse control fire setting as it relates to violence later in life it's more just lack of impulse control rather than being a specific indicator of violence it's violence as a quick response to something is more of an indicator that you have low impulse control you're less likely to control your emotions and you're going to hit somebody so it's more of like a progression in that case rather than a direct indicator and like kids who set stuff on fire don't automatically become violent later in life some kids just like fire. I'm the fire kid. But also, have you ever been around a group of children with a fire? They will throw anything and everything in the general vicinity just to watch it burn. I have watched you're the scared of fire and fire. Even the kids are scared of fire. They'll just feel. stare at it from six feet off, but they'll like not take their eyes off of it. It's like every time I'm around children and fire, there's just this weird fascination with it. I like how you're talking about them like they're moths going to the flame. Yeah, they're a little bit like moths. Although, and I want to point out that separate from the homicidal triad, fire setting is considered an early symptom of a conduct disorder, which can but does not always lead to a diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder in adulthood, which does, of course, have some symptoms being prone to the person being prone to violence. And while fire setting may not necessarily lead to violence, Violence and fire setting are more likely to co-occur. Again, we see that general, that general, uh, rooting issue of poor impulse control. The paper goes on to point out that uncontrolled temper tantrums and fighting are far more likely indicators of violence later in life, which like, I don't know, I don't know if I needed a whole paper to tell me that. I might have just been able to figure that out, put those together. But both of which we see in Gary Allen, you'll remember uncontrolled temper tantrums which got to to a psych ward at eight. Do
1: you know if there was a specific incident that sent it over that he had to go to the psych ward?
0: Yeah, we're going to get into a list of things he did after he got out of the psych ward. If there was one specific incident that pushed the family over the edge, it's not mentioned in any of the articles I found. I think it might have just been maybe one fire too many, or possibly he set something on fire that led to police involvement or the temper tantrum's gone out of control and the pediatrician recommended it, he was becoming a threat. Like, you can't have that kid in groups of yeah, kids yeah. anymore, because either A, he, there's going to be uh, violence, or B, he's going to sneak off and suddenly there's going to be fire. Even the staff were concerned, because they they said he would just flip from calm and completely pleasant to intense rage. And he's very violent to the other children while he was in the home, which is really difficult, because it's, really clear at this point that this kid needed some help but then you also expose other vulnerable children to that when you put them in this group setting so he clearly needed a lot of one-on-one help but like that's not really fiscally feasible for the parents and also it's just like how are you gonna how are you gonna facilitate that in a unit full of other children so the pattern of violence continued after he left the psychiatric unit and I'm gonna just list some things So, six years after he left the unit, he attacked his own mother, with a bat, while she was in bed, recovering from a surgery. Unprovoked, there was no fight or anything, just walked into her room and started attacking her with a bat. Uh, At 14, he grabbed a girl by the throat, shoved her to the ground, and beat her about the head. Jesus, kid. And about a year after that, he tried to strangle the 15 year old son of his foster parents. And I believe it was after attacking his mother that his parents couldn't do it anymore and released him to the foster system, which is unfortunate, but also at that point, kind of understandable. How did he, like, not go to, like, I don't know, like Juvie for all these assaults? It doesn't make sense for him to go to the foster care system. Like, he clearly should have been put back into the psychiatric unit. There's clearly escalating. Rage issues here. It's like he can't control his own anger. He went on to join the army, the army, the army and was stationed in Germany, which we sometimes see with violent people. They find a socially sanctioned way to act out their rage. Uh, he threw a TV through the window in a rage when he didn't like the result of a game show. So he was discharged for that. At 21, he threatened a roommate with a diving knife, a diving knife specifically, never mentions if he dived. I was going to say, that's so... It was random. I At this point, it's clear he's learned to use violence to get what he wants. He's using escalating violence to control others. There was some sort of argument, and the, he tried to control the situation by threatening his roommate with a knife. So with in child childhood, there is a clear pattern of rage and escalation of violence, and as he gets older... He starts to gain this hatred of women. Most of all, he hates sex workers, which is super original. No one's Why ever do done that own? one before. They're living their lives. They're doing their best. Fuck off, people. Right? He'd refer to them as, quote, the lowest of the low. Oh, fuck off. Which sure. I feel may be a slow. bit of a projection. Little bit. Little bit of a projection on people just trying to do a job. I couldn't find any one thing to explain why he hated women and sex workers specifically, other than being garbage. I'm a guess it's the classic, oh, women would sleep with me, or they but the sex <laughs> workers get paid to sleep with me, which makes them beneath me somehow. Why is it all these men have repressed sexual rage and take it out on, like, sex workers who, like, I'm sorry. fix that problem. Yeah. I feel like they don't like the fact that the only way they can get sex is transactionally, but also like my dude, you've done this to yourself. Maybe if you weren't such a dumpster fire, people would want to sleep with you. I don't know. So somehow he's avoided police attention up to this point. There's no record for him at all, which drives me insane. Like what you were there for the list. He wasn't on the radar at all for nobody? Okay. Such a failing of the system <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't understand why he went into the foster system instead of back in the psychiatric unit. I feel like that was a, a the first big mistake because with Gary Allen, we see him actually get a lot of help as he's young when he's younger. He goes into the psychiatric unit, but clearly it wasn't enough or it didn't work, and he goes into the foster system instead and just gets exposed to more victims, really in nineteen ninety seven Samantha Class was murdered at the age of 29. Her body was discovered in an estuary by schoolgirls partially submerged in the mud. Is this, uh, sorry if I'm done. What's an estuary? An estuary is like a little runoff stream. Ooh. okay, okay. Last seen on the evening of the 25th of October, she went to work after leaving her children in the care of others. She was a responsible mother looking to do a job to support them. And Gary solicits her for that job and got her into his car. And she was then found dead the next morning. She had been beaten severely around the head and torso. She had internal bleeding in her organs. She had been stomped on and strangled. And if that wasn't bad enough, enough prepare yourself for this one. They found her lifeless body had been driven over by a car and then thrown into the estuary she'd been found in. That's fucked up. That's so fucked up. That's just what the fuck? Why? You don't okay. Even though she'd been in the water and that can wash away any evidence, mm-hmm. the, mainly DNA, they found her relatively quickly, and they so they managed to get some DNA evidence. But, but thank goodness! They, but he wasn't on
1: file, right?
0: But he wasn't on file. He had no record of his point! which just
1: but also it's he was in the, the military line. and then discharged for a violent act you
0: don't think they might have you would think and clearly he must have been i don't this was in the 90s so i'm not sure what the protocols were for collecting dna of military personnel was at the time oh would this be there was a
1: time where police stations would only have their records and there wasn't an easy way to cross reference with other record systems because the internet wasn't developed well enough
0: with I think they had that. Hall. I don't know what the protocol was for gathering the DNA of military personnel was if they did that at all when he joined, because that was even further back.
1: Well, I'm thinking. So like, I don't know
0: if he even would have had that, or well, there were no fingerprints. They didn't have any of those. They had DNA, but that was it. Oh,
1: never mind. I, I misinterpreted. I thought. Sorry, I thought you said fingerprints, and I thought well, that they would have fingerprints in the military.
0: No, we have DNA, and by DNA I mean the stuff that happens when you solicit a sex worker. Yeah, so that makes sense. That makes sense why they wouldn't have that. Right. And even then, I don't know if they would have thought to check a military database if such a one existed at the time. So at this point, you might be wondering what Gary Allen has to do with this. Well, in 1998, Gary got pulled over for a DUI and erratic driving. And apparently, as part of the protocol for the time... Right? That doesn't sound like something he would do! I know! He's such a stand-up guy! So responsible and always in control of his thoughts and actions! So at the time, the protocol was to take a DNA sample when they were as an, as part of processing, and they matched the DNA to the system, to the system that, uh, connected him to submit the class's body. So he's immediately arrested, and he's just like... Good. I didn't do that. No. I didn't do that and but denied no. it immediately. Wait, dude, and no. Just you wait because you were going to get so mad in about 10 minutes, maybe less. So he admits to soliciting Samantha Class for sex the night of October 25th, 1997. But he says he didn't kill her. This makes him seem like he's been being forthcoming and also explains why his DNA was found. Of course, when police asked to take a closer look at his car, since he'd said he'd picked her up in the car, he said he didn't have it. And more specifically, he said he'd scrapped it because he owed a friend money. Could have just sold it, but go off, I guess. That's not suspicious, not even a little bit. I scrap cars all the time. All the time! So that's sus. So the police think that they have a pretty solid case to charge him. They have DNA evidence. They have him being the last person to see her alive. They feel pretty good about that. So they charge him. And the trial begins in 2000. And they think they've got him. Everyone thinks this is slam dunk. Gary, of course, pleads not guilty. Because he's never done a single thing wrong in his entire life ever. He admits he's an to angel. In, he's right? An he's, angel. Perfectly, he's perfectly behaved. He admits to being in the red light district. He admits to paying for the services of not one, but two sex workers. Gary is a little whore. He is, because it's two sex workers. And he says he didn't give Samantha a ride back to where he picked her up because he was ashamed of being seen with a sex worker, even though people saw her get into his car so that's already out, but okay. And he admits he also scrapped the car, saying he did it to get money for a friend. Which makes total sense, not like he could have just sold the car. He was acquitted of the murder of Samantha Klass. The police and spectators of the trial were shocked. Even the defense barrister defending Gary was shocked. He didn't think it was going to work. He was there at that point purely to maintain a fair trial. That's... And even he was like, what? How? No one else was ever tried for the murder of Samantha Glass because the police were convinced that it was him and that he had gotten away with it. Yeah, because it was him. And I will say I didn't find it stated anywhere explicitly, but I have to wonder if we're looking at a bias in the jury because of her status as a sex worker that oh 100 percent. right obviously and this is like 2000 i feel that our attitude towards sex workers has progressed some in 22 years this is also the uk so i don't want to speak for the uk and pretend i know what the culture around sex workers is in the uk but i feel like it's a little better than this now right we've got to be a little better than this so imagine getting away, what getting away with murder does to someone like Gary Allen, who already has a superiority complex. And probably also an inferiority complex, but you know, that's nice. His a ego guess. growing, booming. Oh my gosh. The true, the real crime is a woman fucking around. Ain't that the truth? It's not the truth, but they truly act like it is. So he already thinks the sex workers are the lowest of the lowest. He essentially feels vindicated by his society for his treatment of sex workers. It also might make him feel a little arrogant, like the police can't get him. Because they were positive that they would get him for this. It wasn't a question in anybody's mind until the acquittal came through. He was given some money and dropped off at a train station and told to leave Yorkshire. Because that was all they could t- do. I didn't know you could do this and just be like, Get out. Get out of our town. Leave. But that's what the police did, and he did. He was like, yeah, alright. And left. Because that was all the police could do was at least protect their citizens by getting him out. But Which, you're also not able to, he's gonna go fuck off somewhere, of you, you can't keep an eye on him. Oh yes, because he ended up in Plymouth, where he was arrested for the attacks of two sex workers in March and April of 2000. Same year as the trial. Clearly he feels like he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Get out of here. Both victims stated that he brought them to a dark, secluded area with the ruse of soliciting them for their services, proceeded to grab them by the throat, beat them, and attempt to sexually assault them. Which is, that shouldn't be weird because this is scary, Alan, but it's also weird to me that you would choose to sexually assault a person that was also already willing to sleep with you for money, like, you could have also just paid her whatever you pay sex workers and then you would have gotten your rocks off. But no, it has but to be on your turn, I guess. He also must have
1: some kind of sexual perversion, though.
0: So it's possible oh, he that... he totally does. And specific, we are going to get into that yeah. at the very end of this.
1: So the reason that, why he's beating them with all this stuff, which is horrific,
0: is probably to fulfill a sexual fantasy, which is, again, horrific, but...
1: You also, I think, need to be really careful because, like, yes... Uh, the the job of sex work is to do sex acts but like you can still sexually assault someone even when you pay them money like no absolutely yeah like they're like they may have been willing to do some things but like maybe the it's things sense. that he did were were different and there are rules and regulations. The thing with that is we don't
0: even get that far. He does no money is ever exchanged. He just brings them to a dark area and immediately starts assaulting them. So I think it's literally just because he doesn't view them as people is really just what it is. He's a horrible, horrible man. And a weird I wanna also say a weird detail of these assaults is that both women mentioned that during the assault he tried to shove his fingers into their mouths, which disgusting. Imagine what's on those fingers, first of all. Also, clearly that's, like, a weird kind of fetish thing. He's also probably trying, it's also probably something of, like, controlling them and silencing them. Yeah, he's already strangling them, too, though. So he's strangling as well as trying to shove fingers down. So I feel like it's probably that, but also to an extent a fantasy or fetish sort of thing. But um, Gary's kind of an idiot. Because both times he got caught in the middle of the act by police officers walking by just walking by that shouldn't be funny but to me but it is it's just at both times it just like somebody who's minding their business walks by and it's just like
1: okay we're gonna not do that that's this is a little random but it makes me think about like the stanford like brock turner and like the like him dragging um his victim behind like a dumpster to sexually assault her, and then the two bicyclists who like stumbled upon the scene and like chased after him and helped her. It's literally that. It's
0: they don't. Well, he Gary Allen thinks he's not gonna get caught because he's caught once before and then let off. So I almost wonder if to him it doesn't. Even, he wonders if it doesn't even matter if it gets caught because he thinks he's not gonna get in trouble for it. But in trouble for it he did. And I have here the story of one of the women he attacked in A the one he attacked in April. The article refers to her as Melanie. I don't believe that's her real name. I think that's just what they went by for the article. She said he approached her for sex and they agreed on a price. They went over to a secluded area to do the agreed upon service. She says she asked for payment on front, which I don't know a lot about the industry, but that seems pretty par for the course. That seems, like, reasonable to me. And he just flipped and went to grab her by the neck. Luckily, she managed to scream for help, and a police officer just happened to be right next to the alley. So Gary is charged with attempted assault, occasioning actual bodily harm and indecent assault. Now, assault occasionally occasioning actual bodily harm is defined as quote a person intentionally or recklessly assaults another, thereby causing actual bodily harm. He's charged with attempted assault. I don't know why they didn't just give him assault. That seems like assault to me. But attempted assault, perhaps they thought they would had a better chance of getting him for that. But he was. I, don't, I still don't get that because he was caught in the act. So he was. Uh, yeah, I don't get that. And a de- indecent assault is essentially any sexual assault below actual rape. And these are the UK laws of the time, so I don't know if that's changed or if that's what it is still, but that's just what those are. So he was found guilty and sentenced to five and a half years in December 2000. Now, you would think that that means he's going to get out in, like, 2005, 2006, right? Wrong! He was such a garbage nightmare. He got his sentence extended to nearly double of the original sentence and served almost 10 years in prison. Let me guess. He assaulted some of the other prisoners gone into fights. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All of it. All of it. Whole kit and caboodle. Here's a statistic. So approximately 31% of all very violent, and I'm not sure how they're defying very violent here, but okay, very violent, criminals, in prison, are psychopaths. Now, he was never formally diagnosed, but I feel like that, that comes back to the temper tantrums and the fire settings being possibly an early sign of a conduct and then later an antisocial personality disorder. To be so bad in prison that you nearly double your sentence speaks volumes about the kind of person Alan is incredibly impulsive because we see some murderers who go to prison and are model prisoners. There's something about that routine that just sets them on the straight and narrow. And then as soon as they get out, they're immediately murdering again. He didn't murder anybody in prison as far as I can tell, but he was not for lack of trying.
1: Yeah. There's also some people who fake it to get out early so they can then go do what they actually want. They like fake get on the straight and
0: narrow. Not Gary Allen. He lives, he lives his truth. Which is, and the truth is, that he's a dumpster fire all the time. I don't know if he could even hide that for five years. So in 2004, they released him early via an electronic, electric monitoring device. So he's still, he's sort of probation, but like a heightened probation. And they said he needs to attend regular meetings with his probation officer. In one of these meetings, he's talking to the probation officer about how much he hates sex workers. Even though he's the one going for him, for them, for his own gratification, but they're the ones that are shameful, so that's how that works. He also admitted to the probation officer that he planned the attacks on the sex workers. So now he's admitting that he planned these premeditated through his probation officer. I'm like, dude. That's not the person you say that to. You're so dumb. He said that he wasn't, he didn't feel pleasure that came from hurting people. He just, oh no, he wanted to feel the pleasure that came to him from hurting people. He just liked to hurt people. And he said, he said that he picked sex workers because they'll go with anyone. So he picked sex workers for the reason that most people pick sex workers is because they're considered easy targets. And vulnerable. vulnerable. Exactly. So Which he's a really so sadistic bad. and eventual. He wanted to hurt them. He wanted to scare them, too, specifically. And he fantasized and planned the act of it often. All of this to a very not prepared probation officer. That man was probably ready for like a 15-minute convo. Of like, you're staying on the straight and narrow, right? Yeah, get out of here. And then he's just in it. Can you imagine being the person? sitting in that conversation like what have I done with my life to be in this convo right now it just
1: I'm gonna it's just makes me think of like being an RA and just like sometimes it's like really easy you're cruising you're like hey how's it going and your residents are like it's good and then other times someone will pull you aside and be like I think my roommate has an eating disorder I really need you to step in and you're like my training did not prepare me for this
0: the planning aspect is something that makes Gary Allen and killers like him really dangerous because you never know when the fantasies aren't going to be enough and it needs to become a reality. So they're also, and they're also organized offenders, which is a really interesting dichotomy in Gary Allen because he sh- displays a lot of the patterns that we see in organized killers, the premeditation, but then he also seems to have incredibly low impulse control, like he can't hold it together to get out of prison so he can murder more sex. I'm not saying I want him to get out of prison to murder more sex workers, but you think if that's what you want, you would play the game so you could get out early. So the attacks in 2000 weren't one-offs, clearly. And he was also convicted for the breach of sexual offenses prevention disorder, two convictions for battery, and for possession of an offensive weapon. So that is how he got his sentence nearly doubled. They were like, Yeah, you can go back out into society like a year or two early. It'll be fine. What's an offensive weapon? Like, what's an example? Like a knife, a sharpened tool, something like that. Something that specifically has a use as a weapon and not like something else. Like, you could carry around a hammer, and technically I don't think that counts. Or, But if you carry around like a sharpened screwdriver or a knife, like that's specifically for that. So at least at this point, the police are aware that he is a very dangerous sexual predator and are keeping tabs on him. And this is one of those cases where we those few and far between cases where we are going to gas up the police here because we're going to talk about Operation Misty because they went for it. Because you know what? Thank The God. police were ready. They wanted to get him still for the murder of Samantha Kress because don't forget he still murdered that woman. I never served a day for that. It's just so it's um, so unfortunate that it is so few and far between that I feel the need to like point it out specifically. We just wish to see it more. <laughs> At this point, we're going to talk about Operation Misty. They were so concerned about the safety of local women, rightfully, rightfully, that they launched an undercover operation in 2010, so named Operation Misty. This is one of those times when the police. On top of it. At this point, Gary is living in a hostel in Grimsby. and cannot imagine being that guy's flatmate. Don't even want to think about it. He's already threatened a roommate before. Like, if you don't <laughs> want to live with this dude. Grimsby itself having a reputation for easy access to sex workers. So this is Gary Allen. He's like, this checks all my boxes. You know, other people might have great, great location, good school district. Me? easy access to sex workers. So the police built an entire social network around Gary Allen in order to get him to admit involvement in Samantha's murder. And you might be wondering, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. They had undercover officers with fake girlfriends, wives, children, etc. All befriend Gary. And they built this whole sex social world around (laughs) him. All yeah, of them undercover like, um, Oscar.
1: What is that? I am so blanking on it.
0: The The Truman Show? Kind of like that, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: He, and they built relationships with him, which, I mean, having to pretend to like this man. <laughs> and not only that, too, they had to pretend to also be violent against women. They had to pretend to have similar interests because that's pretty much all that Gary... Like, if Gary had a Bumble Friends profile, his interests would include <laughs> sex workers. Murder. Hitting women. Arson. Arson. Don't forget arson. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) As far as I'm aware, he did not set any other fires that he was caught doing, at least, since childhood. So maybe he grew out of that. But, you know, we all feel those twinges of childhood nostalgia. Ah, And they had to pretend to be, like, horrible people to get this dude to trust them. And they did this for two years. Two years of being this dude's friend. And the resources that went into trying to get this dude, they had 400 hours of secret recordings of him. Which I'm sure I don't want to listen to any of it because I'm sure it's just hours and hours of just, dude, you're not even that interesting of a guy, but you've been talking for three hours and then occasionally really horrible things. One guy who went by Ian for this undercover operation had to burn bloody clothes to sell it which is insane to me, the, like, drama of it. And can you imagine later when he's brought to court and finds out that all of the friends he's had for two-plus years were all under undercover operatives? I would never trust again.
1: Well, also, like, I can't imagine that he had many friends before.
0: It's no, like, I don't think so. It's, like, the only time in his life that he's had friends. He thinks life's going so well. He's like, look at me. I got all these friends. I'm out of jail. No one caught me for that murder I did several years ago. Things are going great. Ian, what are you doing at my trial? T- December sixth, 2010, Ian asks Gary, asks Gary to kill one of his enemies. And Gary says he's done it before. You know, so he's used to murder. And they can't use it. Because, unfortunately, Gary was drunk that night. But they have an in. They're like, mm, he's letting loose. Later, Gary backtracks. Because, you know, he he's not the best at being subtle. But, you know, he thought to himself, he was like, maybe I should roll that one back, just in case. But the 16th of February, 2011, he admits that he killed Samantha Glass. Just out and says it. And not even it seems that way when you list it all out in the timeline. But imagine the months of, like, friendship building that have to happen until someone trusts you enough to admit they murdered a person. I'm still waiting for one of you. And I... God. And I bet he did it boastingly, too. You know he did. You know he was proud of it. And you, that's, like, the idea, is that these undercover operatives built these personas of, like, similar sex worker-hating, women-hating persona Kind of stroke personas. his ego too. Yeah, to stroke his ego, ego and go, hey, man, it's Cool, we all hate sex workers here. And then secretly they're inside like, I'm going to get you. Kind of justifies it. He says that she told him she would report him for rape because the condom split. Uh, But I don't think that's really true. But he admits to killing her to Ian. And they have that confession on tape. You can go and listen to that online if you want to. We're not going to play it right now. I thought about it, but I think, nah. Even though now he's confessed and they have it on tape, there are issues with the procedure because of the double jeopardy rule, which essentially means that if you've already been tried for a crime, you can't be tried again for it later, later on. And that, like, you can see the logic of that. You don't want a corrupt state charging you multiple times for the same crime. But so many people got away with murder because of that. In the UK, exceptions to the double jeopardy rule were introduced in 2003. Which means that if new evidence came around, they would, they could reinvestigate and retrial for the, for the crime. This mainly came about because of the advancement in DNA evidence. Suddenly there's all of these cases that have a lot more evidence to actually convict the people they thought did it. And I want to stress that it was in part because of this law change that Samantha Class received justice ever. Like, not only is it about the investigations, but it's also about laws that make sense and let us do that. important that we revisit laws, because sometimes exactly. they don't always work for the modern world. Because if they just left it, like, even if they got him to admit that, he, he could just out, out loud just say, I murdered Samantha class in front of, you know, whoever, and it wouldn't have mattered. But they were like, no, we got you. There's a lot that needs to happen, though, in order to get double jeopardy rules set aside. There's a lot of paperwork and evidence that you need to have to justify it. And the police managed to do it for Gary Allen. But, unfortunately, that takes a lot of time. And, unfortunately, I have one more story to tell. I thought you were going to tell me that he died before. No. No. Elena Bracova had moved from her native Slovakia to South Yorkshire in Yorkshire around 2008 with her husband and four children. She and her husband had separated in 2013. And it depends on which source you go by, but it was either because of a relationship she got into with a woman, Lucy Zamova, or because she came, became addicted to drugs because of Lucy Zamova. Mm-hmm. Different sources kind of order these differently, but either way, Lucy Zamova, not a good influence. And her strange husband actually says she showed up unannounced at his house one night in December of 2018, five years later. Saying she didn't want to live that way anymore. He said he he was really skinny. That her cheeks were very sunken. And she had bruises on her face that were fresh. And he told her he would help her get a ticket back to Slovakia. If she could yeah. get her identity card. Which apparently Lucy had. Which like. Oh no. Like can you imagine being in a position. Where somebody else has all of your identifying information. Which means you can't go anywhere. Or do anything without their okay? That sounds is- like stereotypical abusive relationship which is really unfortunate and at this point she had she was addicted to both drugs and alcohol as well so
1: so she had a good relationship with her husband before she kind of got led down this path is that the i mean she went back to him to ask for help but she could just be in a bad place i think they
0: were still like friends Mm -hmm. i i'm not sure she it sounds like she got in a relationship with lucy Zamova. The sources I found didn't say whether it was because she was exploring her sexuality. And again, there's differing like points on the timeline of whether or not she got addicted to drugs and then found Lucy or if Lucy was the cause of her getting into drugs. But it sounds like even though she was clearly having issues with addiction and possibly mental illness as a result, it sounds like her husband really wanted, cared about her and also wanted their children to have their mother. And she was like, in a really bad way she had no other friends clearly than to go to the estranged husband she hadn't seen in like five years to ask for help yeah a tough spot and
1: with really nowhere else to look to because it sounds like at this point then that she was isolated within whatever bad situation she was in which means she probably didn't know anyone else that would help her out of the situation and anyone she probably knew she probably knew through lucy then
0: yeah, probably. And that's exactly how people like that do it, is that they isolate you from the people who care about you, and then suddenly you look turn around, and there's no one who's near you who wouldn't get you out of that situation because they're part of it. So Elena, Elena spent some time with her children that day at her husband's house before leaving. They never saw her again. One of Elena's friends said that she had last seen her December nineteenth, 2018, but knew of an Englishman that Elena considered a friend. And I think about that. That is six days before Christmas. Four kids. Most of them were older at this point, but still can you imagine? You see your mom, it's December, and you think maybe she'll start coming around again, and then Christmas gone. So sad. I'm so sad. So now we're gonna talk about in 2018, which is an insane gap, think about that from 1997 to 2018. That's almost 20 years. And we're going to get into what they think went on in the middle there. Gary is now 45 years old, living in Rotherham. He, When he met 38-year-old Elena Graklova, she probably felt very isolated, probably very depressed. And as we discussed earlier, she had taken up sex work to support her drug habit. And all of this made her very vulnerable. And to Gary Allen, It made her the perfect target. Because by now, we know Gary Allen's feelings about sex workers. We know. And what's really unfortunate was by this point in Elena's life, she had taken such a bad turn that she was selling her body just for food and shelter, really. Just for basic life needs. And Gary and Elena had a sort of friendship, although... Gary is clearly viewing Elena as someone that he can exploit because she is in such a precarious and vulnerable position. And Elena started visiting his flat every now and again until December 26th of 2018. Elena apparently made the terrible mistake of assuming that she and Gary were friends and comes to his flat uninvited. Gary sees this as a major overstep and becomes furious and throws her out and even recorded what was said. Like, he pulled out a recorder to record while they were in the middle of the fight. And I'm not going to play it here, but it's easily found on YouTube if you want to look for it. And you just, it's so creepy that he was still calculating to do that. And the whole time he's screaming at her, seemingly out of control, angry. But he also has the presence of mind to pull out a recorder and record it. Weird. Whack. So she leaves his house because he's screaming at her and is caught on CCTV footage entering a nearby pub. They're not sure, but they it is believed that she's killed by Alan either later that night or early the next morning. The police get more footage from Gary's neighbor's camera that confirm Elena coming and going from his flat. Elena's husband reported her missing a few days later, which, remember, he's in another country at this point, and they're separated. She has no one else in her life that's missing her. Three months later, three months later, April 8th, 2019, her body is discovered partially buried in a stream, which is how Samantha Class's body was found. It seemed that Gary learned to pick a less high-traffic spot this time, though, because she was discovered by an officer who happened by the area and just noticed the smell. Because, like, once you've smelled it, you know what rotting flesh smells like. Maybe not human flesh specifically, but if you've ever smelled like a rotting... Meat, you know what that smells like, but thank goodness they picked up on it. honestly, the officer noticed that someone had placed stones on top of the body, likely in an effort to weigh it down and obscure it, similar to how Smith's class's body was partially buried in mud. They also noticed there were clearly severe injuries around her neck as it was bent at a very odd angle, and the coroner later confirmed that the cause of death was strangulation because she hadn't been discovered for three months and she'd been in the water, her body was in a very bad state. So they relied more on police work for this one. And they discovered the large amount of telephone contact, it's 2018, there are calls, texts, smartphones, between her and Gary in the days leading up to her murder. And they're like, ding, 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 red flag, red flag. Exactly. Since the police are such good friends with Gary at this point, uh, know what a garbage individual he is, they immediately start looking into his movements in the days after the murder. They found he had purchased hand towels, a shovel, gloves. So, you know, maybe he's planning on doing a little bit of gardening. Maybe a little cleaning as well, you know. They also had some evidence that he went to the place where Elena's body ended up being dumped. So, clearly he thought that, just like Samantha's murder, He'd gotten away with it, that he was way smarter than the police, and that they'd never get him for this. Insert surprise Pikachu face here, when the police arrest him for the murder of Elena Vrachova, April 10th, 2019, two days after the body was Get him! They were like, we know it was you. And I want to say that there is no doubt in my mind that Gary would have continued killing had he been given the opportunity. Because he has no control. Exactly. And I know the official body count isn't as high as what we'd usually give the title of serial killer, but in my mind, he fits the psychological profile perfectly. I
1: mean, yeah. But also, I, 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 wanna say, he has no, con- he has no self-control. He obviously has some kind of control of what he's doing, cause he's planning it out and then going through with it. It's not he's like, he's clearly a dichotomy there.
0: Cause he's like, he gets these like, really angry fits, but then he's also calculated at the same time, like we saw with the recording during the fight. Yeah. so upon his arrest his phone was seized and on his phone and get ready here several pictures were found of the naked bodies of dead women most having been strangled to death with ligatures and were covered in blood you I will say, say I will what? say there is no evidence that he's connected to any of these dead women outside of whatever disgusting pleasure he got out of viewing their dead bodies But they're looking into it, because while they only have the two murders for him specifically, they do think he might have murdered other people. But it says a lot about what kind of person we're talking about, especially with the strangulation aspect in both the photos, the murders, and the assaults as well. Just There's clearly a theme. Although honestly, at this point, that doesn't really surprise me when it comes to Gary Allen. I'm just disappointed. Apparently, his search history also had such insightful searches as how to get away with the perfect murder. Newsflash, you didn't. Also, that's so dumb to <laughs> have all this incriminating evidence. tracked. Just on your phone. And I'm pretty sure the evidence they had of him being at the spot where Elena Gorkova's body was dumped was GPS evidence from his phone. So, come on, dude. Everybody knows you leave your phone at home when committing a crime. I don't want to say that because I don't want to, like... Coach people to be better murderers, but come on, guys, don't put keep murder on your phone, man. It's just, and it's so dumb, especially because he's like, I'm so smart, they'll never catch me. And the police take a single look at his phone, they're like, this guy. Weirded that before we get into the trial, too. The plumbing had been backed up in Gary's area for a a while, and when they went to find out why, they discovered a football-sized clump of wet wipes from Gary's flat, which is suspicious. Also, everyone knows you're not supposed to flush wet wipes. Come on, Gary, do better. And it was, like, right in the couple of days after Elena's murder that the plumbing started to get bad, so they suspect it's related. So, the trial. At this point, not only did the police feel that they have a very solid case regarding the murder of Elena... They also feel ready to retry him for the murder of Samantha. So, the Sheffield Crown Court in 2001, literally last year, Gary faced two counts of murder. He claimed that this was all a conspiracy, that he'd never said anything like that, and that all the police were out to get him. And it, you know what? In a way, he's right. It was a conspiracy to get him for murder. I'm such a victim. I'm the victim. Me. And then he tried to say that he just told Ian that he he just told him what he wanted to hear. That and I will remind you that this is the conversation where Ian was pretending to be thinking about hiring Gary to commit a murder for him, and Gary's like, no, no, I was just saying. You know, I was trying to seem cool and do it. This is the one time that you really should not lie on your resume. He also tried to say that he hadn't even known Elena was a sex worker, which I guess was to refute the idea that he killed her because of his feelings about sex workers. To try to like be like, no, I I didn't I didn't know. Which and no, but nobody nobody bought that. Not even for a little bit. The trial lasted seven weeks, which. Really, for murder trials, is not that long. And people would comment on how passive and arrogant he was acting throughout. So, like, passive-aggressive comments and, like, whatever, this is such a joke. I don't care. he thinks care. he's going to get away with it again. Because he thinks he's going to get away with it again, because it had already happened once. And also, he's already been to jail, so maybe it's kind of like when you send your kid to their room for being bad, and they're like, doesn't matter, I like my room. Like, it's that. Like, I don't care to go back to jail kind of thing as well, maybe. Wild. But after two days of deliberation, the jury found him guilty for both charges, and that was in June of 2021, less than a year ago. It is at this point, 24 years after the murder of Samantha Class, that she finally received justice. It took almost a quarter of a century for her to receive the justice she deserved. But thank God she got it. And thank God she did And there's a quote from one of Samantha's children, her daughter, Sophia, from after the hearing that I wanted to share. Gary Allen may have his sentence, but my family and I will continue to suffer the bigger sentence. I can never have my mother back. I've got to live with that. There will always be a break in my heart. But at least for all of us, there are no more questions. Because we think it's kind of like over once they get justice, they were happy for that. But really, like, They would rather have the person 100% of the time, and it's just so, like, we won, but at the same time, we still lost. It is at this point, we come back to the quote I started with, when the justice sentenced him to life. Because, (laughs) like, no, you're not getting away with this. You thought you did, but no. So in the UK, it's actually pretty rare for a criminal to serve the full life sentence. So a minimum number of years needs to be set by considering aggravating factors. So, yeah, you murdered somebody. Was it in self-defense? Maybe you should get a lesser sentence. Did you do it because you hated him or premeditated? All of these need to be taken into account. So Justice Goose took into account the level of premeditation, the twisted mindset, his words, towards sex workers. Don't think he's incorrect there. The specific targeting of these women due to their perfection, the attempt to conceal both bodies, Destruction of evidence, the wet wipes in the car, his previous serious convictions of the assaults, as well as the cruel death he gave Samantha. He caused her great suffering before her death through beating, and let's not forget, driving a car over her dead body. And so, with all of these in mind, Gary Allen was sentenced to life with a minimum of 37 years. So even if he got out, at the earliest possible date, he would be 85 years old. Well, the last time he was in jail, he almost doubled his own sentence. So we'll see how long his sentence actually becomes. So I got some final thoughts here. After the trial, police were encouraged to take a look at unsolved attacks on sex workers as the National Crime Agency believes that he's connected to more crimes than what he was convicted on. The dead women on his phone, there's no evidence that he's connected to any or all of them, but it's possible. And they just don't believe that a person like Gary Allen could go... Twenty-four years, with pretty much twenty-four, twenty twenty-four years between murders. They think yeah. there was something. No, he he definitely couldn't have. He clearly has the psychology of an organized offender, and police believe that even with the assault he was caught for and the time he spent in jail, he just couldn't have gone twenty-one years without killing again. They just don't have the evidence to prove that, and they don't know, you know, who or if anyone. So in a way, it's possible that in relation to other heinous crimes, he may still be getting away with it. And I want to again touch on the amazing amount of police work that went into this just to get him for the murder of Samantha class because he did get jail time for the assaults, but he never served jail time specifically for the murder of Samantha class until after this. So really, all this police work was done not only to protect the safety of Women currently, but to also to get justice just for her, which is not super common to see. Although it is unfortunate that we still did lose Elena, because there is also the thought if he'd been convicted for the murder of Samantha Class, Elena might still be alive today. And I think that comes down a little bit to the general public's opinion of sex workers, particularly in the 2000s. We touched on that a little earlier, and I would like to hope that the stigma around sex work has improved somewhat, since then, at the very least, to think that they deserve justice and that their murders should not get away. Gary Allen is clearly a garbage human, pretty much has been his whole life. Hard to say if he would have turned out differently if he'd had more help in his younger years. He was clearly struggling from a very young age, and it's hard to say if more help would have helped, really.
1: I don't know if just because of his pattern and everything i don't know if he could have been unfortunately i I don't know if he could have been helped but there's definitely things that the system could have done to keep him away from other people that so he could be less detrimental to others i don't know it's just
0: and it was the 80s so there's just there is only so much we knew back then of mental health and we're still redefining the ways that we think about you know behavioral disorders and mental health even today so who's to say if they even had the knowledge of what was going on with him at the time. And even, even today, I don't know if we could have helped him with what we know now. But you're right. Like, he should not have gone into the foster system after he was given up. He should have gone back into psychiatric care. He clearly needed it. And that could have helped, if not Samantha and Elena, at least the, like, several people he assaulted in his youth. What was going on with that? They just got beat up by him and no police record of that. They just had to live with that, I guess. Which is disappointing. And that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for coming to the table of disappointment. I hope you feel as disappointed with Gary Allen as I do. Because I'm just... This is li- list after list of disappointment. Uh, he's one of those people that makes you just regard humanity as a whole with a little less hope. The ending of this was not so disappointing, but... 24 years is a long time to wait for justice, not even considering the possibility of other victims still waiting for theirs. But that is all I have for you today. I hope you all feel very disappointed. Bye!